Welcome back to the RMD podcast from Reverse Mortgage Daily, hosted by me, RMD editor Chris Clow. In this show, we speak with reverse mortgage business leaders, professionals, government officials, and thought leaders to provide listeners with the pulse of the reverse mortgage industry and all of the business and regulatory realities which affect it. In this episode, I'm joined by Jason Parker, a reverse mortgage professional and author who has an extensive background in financial planning to discuss his journey into the reverse mortgage business and what he sees as some viable paths forward for the industry. We talk about how he became a financial planner, what his journey was like learning about the reverse mortgage product, how he determined the industry would be a good fit for him professionally, how the industry can grow beyond the currently challenging operating environment, and a whole lot more. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief of HW Media, and I'm talking to Ed Messman, CEO at Rook Capital, about their Shared Value Investment Program. Ed, what are the key things to consider when using shared equity alongside a mortgage partner? Yeah, alignment is really key. The mortgage lending officer and the institutions that they represent care about the interests of the homeowner and the home buyer. The shared value investment also cares about the homeowner and the home buyer. And the shared equity instrument cannot be viewed as predatory. It's got to be equitable and fair, and it's got to create wealth instead of strip them on their wealth. And so alignment between the institutions and the shared value investment is really essential. Really important. Thanks, Ed. And listeners, you can find out more at rook.capital. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the RMD podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Chris. Very happy to be here. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. Likewise. Well, so for those who may not be um, familiar with you or your work, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what it is that you do. Yep. So again, my name is Jason Parker. I'm a reverse mortgage professional uh, based out of Arizona, Sun City West, uh, Sun City area, retirement community area. Uh, I'm born and raised in the Midwest originally. Uh, go Cubs. Um, but I came out here uh, after college um, to actually for my for a financial advice career. That's that's actually what I came out here for. Um, I was a finance major at Ohio State. Uh, I had done some internships at Smith Barney and Merrill Lynch while I was in college. So I knew I wanted to go the advisory route. Uh, and then at that point, it was you know looking for you know career opportunities, sunshine and money in motion. So it was between Phoenix and Naples, Florida that I was looking at. And you know I landed in Phoenix. Also, I have a little bit of a military background as well. So while I was going to college, uh, I also was in the Army Reserve concurrently during that. And then I got out about the same time that I graduated. Um, so, yeah, so once I came out to Phoenix, um, I was in the financial advice industry uh, for the better part of the last 20 years. T- took a, a few different roles in the industry, um, just trying to find my place. Um, I was a little idealistic, probably coming out of college where, you know, I wanted to help people. I wanted to, um, you know, really make a big difference. And, and I, I struggled a little bit with the, the commission mindset and advice and the conflict of interest there. So I ended up landing uh, m- most of my advice experience ended up being in call center uh, salary based roles um, here in the Phoenix area. You know, it, it ultimately, um, you know, I. I because of some of that experience, um, having been in a call center, kind of daydreaming, looking out the windows, wanting to kind of spread my wings a little bit. Uh, and also, again, you know, still can, you know, continue to make that difference, which was my initial goal in the industry. Um, I had, you know, I, I, I went down the rabbit hole of reverse mortgages um, as a planner. And even though I wasn't, I, I didn't have, uh, you know, a lot of uh, autonomy to talk to clients about the reverse mortgage, um, I became a huge fan, became enamored with it, uh, and then decided that, you know, I wanted to go ahead 
ahead and uh, you know take a shot at, at a career uh, doing this and you know, again helping you know educate uh, the industry and, and the the public on the reverse mortgage solution. Yeah, so let's let's dive into that. And there's a couple of different angles I'd like to explore on that, if you don't mind, because you know as as you're likely well aware, um, financial planners are a highly sought after referral partnership for reverse mortgage professionals. But a lot of reverse mortgage LOs um, kind of see uh, that they're working against a tide when it comes to trying to convince uh, people in the financial planning profession that a reverse mortgage is something worth consideration for their senior clients. How did you first discover, before, before talking about how you got into the business, how did you first discover the product concept as a planner? And did you find yourself having to really become convinced about its potential utility for clients? Yes. So I, I was somewhat self-taught just in the sense that you know, n- none of the advice companies that I worked for had ever talked about reverse mortgages, has edu- had ever educated their advisors on reverse mortgages. Uh, and you know, even through you know, the alphabet soup of designations that I picked up along the way, there was very little uh, there was very little about the reverse mortgage at all. Um, there was one designation that I did through Canon Financial, which was the Certified Wealth Strategist uh, designation, and that was back in about 2010. And that really introduced to me that just really a full balance sheet concept, and really like kind of you know looking at you know a client's uh, you know uh, you know not not only the client's financial plan during life, but also then you know passing that on to heirs as well. Uh, and then. Um, you know, and then you know, it, it just struck me. I actually I saw commercials on TV. I saw the Tom Selleck commercials, just like everybody else. And and I started thinking. I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I'm, I'm listening to what he's saying, and I'm like, hey, I say a lot of these same things to clients, and I and I've heard nothing but bad things about the reverse mortgage. But if it's FHA insured, how can it really be that bad? And so that's really what led me down the path. And then um, at the same time, you know, a lot of the academics then started to put information out as well. So Barry Sachs obviously has well-known research. Wade Fow was very influential uh, in my education as well. Uh, Michael Kitsis had written a blog, I think it was like 2016-ish as well, that really uh, opened my eyes to it. And so then I, then I started to look just, you know, as I was giving advice to my own clients, I was really starting to apply that concept and kind of how the, in seeing where these reverse mortgages could fit in. So that that was initially just kind of what what got me into it, and then again I, I saw how they worked. I understood the mechanisms then that you know the the, the, the kind of the, the mitigation uh, of like it being non recourse, having it FHA insured, um, again some of the other features in it, and how it could really be used as a really powerful financial planning tool. That's really interesting. So you are uh, you're taking in this work from a lot of these academic authority financial planners. And it's convincing you that, yeah, this is something that's at, at the at bare minimum worth consideration for certain senior clients in specific situations. How do you go from that into realizing, hey, this this might be a good fit for me professionally? Where, what, what was it that pushed you into the uh, in, into the corner of actually pursuing this as a professional career move? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question because because it was it wasn't something that was immediate it, it was a it was a, a transition over a couple of years um and and you know it, it, you know this this transition that i did it, you know it, it was as much about just you know pursuing something that i believed in um that i knew that there was a there was a, a, a like a, just a lack of knowledge and education that was out there as it was about you know my own personal career decision um but i would say it was really covid that really 
you know, set the plan in motion. And that was just because, if, you know, from an advisor standpoint, so my last role in the industry, actually, I oversaw a team of 10 to 12 advisors. So half my daily job was listening to their calls, uh, monitoring their calls, you know, just, you know, doing call coaching, you're giving advice coaching, quality of advice coaching. I had, you know, and it was in a call center environment. So and one of the advantages of being a call center advisor is that you have super high volume. You're not doing any marketing. You're actually just talking to clients all the time. So you get really good at talking to clients. And, you, and again, you have a really good feel of just kind of how people are feeling at any given time based on what's going on in the news. Um, because a lot of times that's what people want to talk about. And so, so from a, from an economic standpoint, I saw some of the storm clouds gathering um you know interest rates were at all-time lows we knew that the, the fed was printing money so at some point you know interest rates were going to have to go up which was going to hit a lot of bond portfolios we saw stock valuations as well at you know seemingly untenable highs um record amounts of you know people retiring wanting to retire uh in in in, in, in and then also just seeing you know the the amount of people that had the majority of their, their accumulated assets in risky assets, in stocks and bonds. So if interest rates went up, and it eventually did, now you know, the government kind of smoothed it out and has kind of dragged this out for you know, a couple of years now. Um, but you know, once interest rates went up, again, bond, like last year was a great example. Bonds got hit worse than they'd ever been hit in history. Uh, and then stocks were down as well in the same year. And so you know, from a portfolio management standpoint, that really throws things into haywire. So I thought that was going to be the opportunity once interest rates went up that, hey, people aren't really going to have a choice but to actually tap into this other asset because again you know it, what planners know is that you know the fastest way to run a portfolio under the ground is to sell a depreciated asset and if all the assets are in stocks and bonds and both stocks and bonds are both down well then we have to look at something else that may not be down and that that's been real estate and it still is um, so that, that was one part the economic side and then again you know the other part was more of just like the, the lifestyle and you know what COVID did to all of us right it made us all rethink what are we doing you know what are we doing in this life what are our goals in life what are our goals what have we been putting off we've all seen people that you know we would never expect to get sick and even pass away and it really cranked up especially for retirees I saw it on a daily basis crank up that um, you know, do it while you can mentality. And so while, you know, some people may have, you know, they might be in their early 60s and thought that they were going to squeak out a couple extra years at their job, COVID made them realize, you know what? No, I want to spend that time. I, you know, I technically can retire now. I'm worth a million bucks or I'm worth two million bucks. Looking at real estate included, I have to be able to retire. And so they wanted to retire a little bit earlier. Um, and so, it, you know, but without using that home equity, especially if stocks and bonds were to take any kind of a hit, the numbers just wouldn't work for a lot of people. So again, that's where I saw from a planning standpoint, the reverse mortgage and you know, home equity release is just a critical part of the financial plan. That's excellent. Yeah, I appreciate the overview. Um, I guess something that I'm curious about, just because uh, you, know, you already clearly had a, a high level of familiarity with the product category before you entered the business, what was the actual process like for you to become a reverse mortgage professional? Was it reasonably easy for you to just kind of step into it? Did you find that there were things that you had to learn uh, and digest on the more professional side before this is something that you took on? How, how was that process for you? Yeah, so mine was was probably unique, uh, you know, not only in the sense that, you know, I came, you know, as a certified financial planner into the industry. Um, but it, so, so when I left my last job, I actually left with the intention to write a book on reverse mortgages from a financial planning standpoint, 
basically how I would explain it to any of my clients that I've had over my career um, who may have been interested but were scared to ask. Um, you know, the other part about that last role that I had is that after COVID, I also heard an uptick, you know, again, I'm monitoring my advisor's calls and sometimes I'm only listening to, you know, the, the first, you know, few minutes of it just to get more call uh, monitors in. Um, but I heard more clients actually asking about reverse mortgages. And, and the, you know, what I also saw then is that, you know, when they would ask about it, they would, almost, you know, they would kind of, you know, kind of hesitate. Uh, they would almost whisper like it, they, they were talking about something really bad they weren't supposed to. And they'd be like, you know, hi, you know, you, you know, no, I know I don't need it. You know, I know it's not good. But, you know, did you know anything about reverse mortgages? Because people started to ask that question. So I saw that need for just better education from, you know, just a, a, a different source other than maybe the reverse mortgage industry themselves. So I left that role to actually write a book, which I ended up writing, you know, took about a year to, to get out. Um, and then through that process, through the research for that book, um, I started talking to some reverse mortgage companies and, you know, I talked to one company, um, and you know, the, the <laughs> uh, my first phone call, you know, I, I told them what I was doing and they were just like, oh, okay, wow. You know, a, a certified financial planner that's that excited about reverse mortgages. They're like, you know, do you want to do it for us? You know, can you pass a test? And so I said, yes. Um, so that, that was actually my transition. So I actually didn't really even expect to become a loan officer. Um, I was just going to write a book about it and then maybe do some sole practitioner planning on the side. Uh, I'm very glad that I did take that opportunity. I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Uh, it made the book a lot better, but it also, again, uh, got me to, you know, to your question, um, just better understand really the mechanics of it. Um, because, you know, it, it is different. It's, it's new to almost anybody that does it, right? It's, it's, a, it's still even a new concept to a lot of people. And, and so, you know, and, and my goal, you know, at the beginning and then even more so because of that transition and, you know, kind of getting into the mechanics makes me want to just, I, I want it to be a great experience. I, I really want it to be like the, the best financial experience that somebody has. And so knowing what that process is, you know, being able to set the expectations properly is just critically important with this product and probably even more so than anything else that I've ever, uh, you know, advised on um, just because there's just so many unknowns along the way. There's so many, you know, whether it's the appraisal, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, repairs, it might be needed. There might be some credit, you know, issues. There may be, uh, you know, some set asides that need to be made. Um, there's just a lot there. And if you don't, if you don't set those expectations properly, it can become a very painful experience for people. And then they're going to tell all their friends, oh, it was a terrible process. You know, just begin again, you know, that that could have been controlled up front by the, the person actually doing the reverse mortgage. So so that was, you know, that was my transition into it. But, you know, I got really deep into the weeds, you know, learning it up front, kind of seeding it. But, you know, other than that, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's been the most uh, satisfying uh, solution that I've ever proposed and helped people with because it, it literally every single one literally changes lives and even if somebody thought that they might be doing it one day um, they didn't really expect to, to, to feel and see you know what it felt like um, once they have it well um, you know something that I often hear particularly from uh, loan officers who maybe began their work on the traditional mortgage side and who are looking to transition into working in reverse is that uh, you know they have to get used to the idea of this being a highly consultative process, um, you know, with with a fair amount of borrower handholding, so to speak, to just make sure that everything is is sufficiently understood before moving along to a different part of the process. But as a financial planner, you are probably rather accustomed to uh, to a very consultative process. Um, 
How does your experience with financial planning inform the way you approach work in the reverse mortgage business, particularly as it pertains to relating to senior clients who who might need some uh, some additional guidance from you? Yeah, no, I, that that was a, a great setup, and and that's exactly what I found as well uh, in the industry. Uh, and I would say that it, I mean it's been it's a perfect transition from what I did to what I do now. Um, in that sense, and, and I would say that you know a couple kind of details with that would be um, you know it, it's a, it needs to be a very disciplined approach, right? To, to kind of your question there, um, and so and, and just like any financial planner knows that they do, you know the first thing that you're going to do is you know you're going to define the scope of the conversation, right? You know kind of you know, come to an agreement. Hey, this is what we're talking about. We're only talking about maybe this piece to start with, um, especially if you're you know only talking about the reverse mortgage or doing a reverse mortgage only consultation. Um, you know, th- then, you know, from there, once, you know, the, the client and, and the, the uh, reverse mortgage professional have that, that the defined scope of the conversation, then it's about going into discovery first. So it's not jumping into the solution. It's not about selling the reverse mortgage or the benefits, because the reality is you don't really know what those benefits are to that person until you ask the right questions and understand. So, um, you know, in that discovery would include, you know, again, of course, understanding the client's just overall objective. You know what what led them to it. You know what you know what, why why are they even looking at it to begin with? Um, you know what are what are their concerns with it? Um, what do they think it's going to do for them? Um, what would happen if they didn't do it? You know what were some of their plans there? Um, understanding you know the people in their lives, the goals that they have, even with that. You know whether it's legacy, bequeaths, uh, people that they feel like they need to take care of. Um, you know, understanding and asking questions around, you know, the level of independence that somebody may have and really getting a good feel for that, um, you know, as it relates to, you know, how they want to spend their last 20 or 30 years and what that vision is that they have for themselves. Uh, health issues and health questions, I think, are critical. Um, and I think that's something even that advisors can do a better job on as well. And that was something that I always trained uh, my advisors to do is that, you know, when you work with senior clients, ask those health questions. You know, that, that's what they're talking to their friends about every day, right? That, that's you know, a big part of their life is, hey, what doctor's appointment are you going to? Or, you know, what doctor's appointments, appointments do I have coming up? So I'll ask people straight up, you know, how are you doing health-wise? You know, not being judge, you know, judgmental or critical, but, you know, how are you doing? You know, asking about longevity in the family, just understanding those. Uh, and again, just not jumping into the solution because we still don't know yet if that reverse mortgage is the right solution. Um, and so, you know, in that regard, I would say, again, it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a perfect fit in terms of, you know, the, the consultative process that you're referring to. Uh, and then, you know, ultimately, you know, then through that process of, you know, I would also say that the lead time for the reverse mortgage is, is longer than anything that I've ever seen. I mean, you know, I'd say anecdotally, I'd say it's probably like a, almost like a four to six month window from when somebody looks into it, they start thinking about it before they actually ultimately apply for it. So it's a little bit longer. Um, and along that way, it's important, again, you know, be there for questions uh, and then just, you know, continue to, because you've asked those right questions up front, you know, it's, it's not about interest rates. It's not about these other things. A lot of times it's about that why, and then just kind of bringing that conversation always back to that why and making sure that that why is still their why um, before they apply. Excellent. No, I think that that's a great overview and, uh, and should provide a lot of clarity about why, uh, why this is, um, you know, such a such a tool for for seniors in particular, especially those who might need a little bit more attention as they move through the process. Um, well, you recently wrote a commentary on RMD, giving thoughts for reverse mortgage originators who might be seeking to work more with financial planners, or at least more than they might currently be working with financial planners. 
Um, what most influenced the way you aim to explain those ideas specifically to reverse mortgage professionals? Uh, or did you maybe hear from some other professionals about a uh, lack of understanding they had about financial planners? Was it just about appealing to um, the the concerns that the planners themselves had? Was it all of the above? What What's your take? So, yes. So, so you know, that piece was written just to give some very... Um, uh, you know, hands-on ideas or just some thought process on, you know, kind of ways to open that conversation and open those relationships. And that's just because in the last 18 months that I've been doing this, you know, talking to a lot of reverse mortgage professionals, um, doing a lot of like national calls with, you know, with uh, loan officers and others, um, I've just heard this constant theme. It's almost like a mystique that reverse mortgage professionals have about advisors. And so, and, and so, you know, one of the things, you know, you know, when I'm talking you know, more specifically about you know this question is, is trying to educate uh, reverse mortgage professionals really on how disjointed the financial advice community is themselves. Is that you know not you know every financial advisor is not the same. They all don't do the same things, and that's actually you know a big debate that goes on in the financial advice community um, because everybody kind of calls themselves a financial advisor. You know, somebody could really just be a life insurance salesperson. And they call themselves a financial advisor. Somebody may be, uh, you know, salary-based advisor. Well, they're going to have a very different approach. Um, somebody may be, uh, you know, independent advisor, work for an RIA. Somebody might work for a broker-dealer. So it's very important, you know, for somebody that wants to 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 target financial planners or you know work with financial planners as their core business to really understand those mechanics. So so that's one part of it. Uh, and then again, for those that you know don't have that. The, you know, the ability or the, you know, the willingness or aptitude even, you know, to, to kind of get that deep into the weeds with that. Again, it's just about understanding, hey, what are some things that are important to all advisors? And again, it's, you know, one of those is like I wrote about was, you know, the long-term care piece. You know, that's something that, that, you know, that's a critical part of the plan. And that's because, again, you know, it's, you know, you know up until, you know, from accumulation to decumulation, um, you know, that conversation is pretty simple. We're talking savings rates, we're talking, you know, rates of return, you know, projections of rates of return. We're talking about risk in the portfolio as you reach retirement. Then things get a little more, a little bit more complicated because now it's like, okay, we have X amount of assets, we have X amount of income, and how do we make this last? And what are those risks then that come up from, you know, from retirement to, to death essentially, uh, which is as long as that money needs to last in most cases. Um, and, and long-term care is one of those big unknown risks. And so that's something that every advisor, no matter what you're doing, you're going to have to at least be able to, to you know, have that conversation. And so it's also then important for reverse mortgage professionals to understand at least that part of the conversation that the advisors are having. And, you know, again, if they don't have that background themselves, you know, like I, you know, I mentioned in the article, um, advisors are typically willing to, you know, share their experiences. And you'll hear some really interesting stories um, that people have related to those long-term care conversations and even the, you know, the solutions that are being used out there in the market. Yeah, you know, something that just occurred to me that I'm I'm curious about, especially since you worked exclusively as an advisor relatively recently before you decided to transition into this business, do you find that the relationships between reverse mortgage professionals and financial advisors, is it becoming more normalized or do you think it still has a way to go before it's a commonplace two-way sort of partnership? Yes, I'd say it has a way to go. I mean, and that was one thing that, that's really, that, that I that I got wrong in my, my uh, you know, projections on how this was going to go is that, I mean, the, the, the stigma's there. It, it just is. 
Um, and it's just a constant uphill battle. I would say it's, it's uh, even for me, uh, being a certified financial planner myself, it's still sort of an arm's length uh, relationship in some way. You know, you're the specialist that you can be there to call on. Um, and that's a great place to be. You know, and again, that's, you know, for, for many people, that, that's about as good as it's going to get. Um, and, you know, the other thing that reverse mortgage professionals need to understand is that, um, you, know, you know, from the advisor standpoint, you know, you know, the reverse mortgage, first off, you know, you know, the advisor may be targeting, you know, anybody, you know, age 80, you know, 18 to, to 90 or 18 to 100. So the reverse mortgage solution is only a small segment of that, of the people that they're even talking to. Even beyond that, then it's the, the client 62 or older that, you know, that have enough equity in their home or in, in kind of, a, you know, plan to stay in their home uh, in most cases. Um, so that kind of whittles it down even further. And then beyond that, it's people that, again, you know, may have you know, uh, some sort of a need that's seen, whether it's in their success rates on their Monte Carlos, uh, or again, you know, concerns that they have about cash flow and other things like that. So, so from an advisor standpoint, it's kind of a, you know, it's a very small segment of their, their, you know, the, their, their scope of clients that they're talking to. And so that's, that's one reason that they don't really take it that serious because they don't really need to, it just doesn't come up very often. I hear from a lot of advisors, they don't, it, it may only come up, you know, a couple times a year. Um, it, but, you know, the other thing then, you know, that, that advisors can, or that uh, reverse mortgage professionals can understand is that, you know, we're not the only ones that are trying to talk to these advisors. I mean, you have, you know, alternative investment, you know, wholesalers that are calling every day, emailing every day. You have mutual fund wholesalers, you have life insurance wholesalers, you have annuity wholesalers, uh, you have tax professionals, you have attorneys, you have all these people that are trying to get this advisor's time to kind of, you know, to share their, the value that they add. And so, you know, so sometimes it's, in, you know, it, it's important to, you know, not get bitter or not get beat down or defeated. If you're not, you know, getting in, you know, it, it, may, it's, it may not be personal. It may not be about the reverse mortgage. Um, it may just be that, again, they may be overwhelmed and they're shutting everybody out. Um, and then, you know, even beyond that, you know, even if you do get in, you know, there's still no guarantee that you're going to even have that relationship because in some cases, you know, it's just too much risk to the advisor. If there's any unknown at all in that process, they may just not feel comfortable bringing it up. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, I know that uh, there are people in the reverse business that believe there's uh, too much of a reputational burden uh, on the product for more financial advisors to get on board with it. In terms of, um, you know, potentially moving beyond that, what do you think is the path forward? Is there more responsibility on the part of the reverse mortgage industry and the individual professional to try and make a, a, a more efficient kind of olive branch to financial advisors? Or do financial advisors just need to educate themselves further? Like what, what is the path forward from your perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, there's a, there are a couple of different you know, angles to that. Um, I would say that, you know, from a reputational standpoint, you know, as you know, you know, when Wells and Bank of America left the market and, you know, around 2011, you know, that was a huge hit to credibility in the industry. Um, but there's research like Stratmore did a, did a study and, and they actually went and interviewed these companies that got out of the business and, you know, asked them why they got out. And a lot of it was just their own reputational risk it, it, that, you know, they were worried about the, the clickbait headlines that were out there that, you know, Bank of America or Wells Fargo, you know, kicks, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, retiree out of their home. They were, they were scared of that. It wasn't that the product wasn't viable and didn't make sense. Um, so, so again, you know, the industry is again, just fighting an uphill battle from a media standpoint, from a clickbait standpoint, you know, reputational standpoint that way um, to begin with. So that's also important to understand. Um, but I would say that, you know, going forward, uh, you know, while I, I believe that the, the product itself and its current structure 
um, is, is ready for the mainstream. It's it's going to be you know large IRAs or uh, you know uh, uh, CFPB the the CFP board. Uh, you know they need to endorse this solution to make it much more viable, and so it can be incorporated into the methodology of these companies. Because every company, every you know advice company out there, they have their own methodology on how they're going to do things and what they say they're going to do because they have to really disclose that, and that's the methodology that the advisors follow. And again, if the reverse mortgage isn't even written into their methodology, well, then it's it's literally just not being looked at, and then in some cases it could be frowned upon you know, buy an advisor to bring that up at that company. Um, so I'd say that, you know, it's, 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 it's regulators need to do a better job explaining to the industry, you know, why this is a safe product, how it's a safe product. You know, FHA even says themselves that, the, you know, the, the HECM is the safest loan that they have. And that's because you don't really, you know, you can't really break it itself, you know, you, you know, other than the property taxes and insurance, um, there's no payment that needs to be made. Um, so, so, you know, they need to do a better job educating the industry. Um, the reverse mortgage industry, I think, is doing their best. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, what, what most clients think of when they think of reverse mortgages, they think of Tom Selleck. So, you know, the impact the AAG, the type of advertising the AAG, while, you know, some people that may turn people off having, you know, celebrity endorsements. The reality is that that's, it was memorable and that that's really what people were getting. And, you know, and it, it, I think it'll be difficult for the reverse mortgage industry themselves to do more than they're doing, you know, without those types of endorsements. Um, the last thing I'll say then is, as well as, you know, what you'll read in a lot of the academic research that's out there um, from, you know, gerontologists, from, you know, uh, you know uh, other um, like urban, you know, study professionals and government planners um, is that, you know, the, the, this product you know, there used to be a saver product, right? There was kind of like a smaller, kind of a bite-sized reverse mortgage that people had access to. And, and, you know, a lot of them will say that, you know, the the FHA and HUD, they need to come up with maybe something like that as well. And that might be, you know, that might allow clients to dip their toes and maybe it's a smaller product that has a smaller insurance premium up front that allows people to get into maybe 20, 30, $40,000, you know, have the same you know type concept, um, but just not as much of a, a, a feel of an upfront commitment um, as the current structure has. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Great. No, I appreciate that. Um, I guess the last real question that I have for you, Jason, is how is business for you at the moment? And, um, you know, I've been gathering some perspectives from other people across the industry just about uh, their perspectives on what the best path is to try and grow the industry from here uh, since volume is, you know, down in comparison to a year, year and a half ago, but uh, how is business for you at the moment and what do you see as the best path forward to growing the reverse mortgage business? Yeah. So as anybody in the industry knows right now, and as you, you know, again, it's like you said, it's shown in the numbers. It's a very challenging environment right now. Um, and, and I would, I would attribute that almost solely to, to interest rates and to the fed artificially rising interest rates to the point that they have, um, I would say like my own personal business, again, I was doing the book as well at the same time that I was, you know, getting started and really, you know, get hitting the ground last year and getting ramped up. And I started to get really good traction, um, up until about November, December timeframe. And then the fed raised rates, you know, three quarters of a percent in November, they, re they raised it again, another half a percent in December. So even in a, in a month time, they raised interest rates one and a quarter percent. 
um, you know, a year ago, and, and you know, is is you know, a lot of the listeners know, um, you know, the amount that somebody can access as well, even up front, or the amount that FHA is willing to insure is based on the ten-year Treasury. And so, a year ago, that was at two point seven five. Uh, right now, that's you know, you know, three point five, three point seven five. It's gotten upwards of four. So the amount that somebody has access to. Uh, has also come down. Um, so as interest rates go up, then you know the amount that somebody can borrow comes down. And if somebody already has an existing mortgage on their property, that's just that many less people then that are going to be able to even pay that off. So I know that in the last month, I've talked to 12 people uh, out of 15 that didn't have enough principal limit to pay off their existing mortgage, whereas most of those a year ago would have been able to do that. Um, so again, that's just a numbers issue where it's just not fitting for people. And, you know, those people will, will likely do it once they can, you know, either as they age, you know, they can borrow more as interest rates you know, come down a little bit, uh, they can borrow more or as the home appreciates, they can borrow more. Um, the other part of it then is the actual accrual rate. And that's really what advisors are looking at as well. Um, whereas, you know, last January, the, you know, the, you know, so just, you know, for easy numbers, let's say that the fixed component of a, of a reverse mortgage rate is 3% with a 2.5% lender margin and, you know, on average, and then maybe a half a percent uh, FHA accrual. So that 3% is fixed in. Well, a, a year ago, the one-year treasury was, or actually last January, it was under a half a percent. So those accrual rates were under three and a half, four percent 4%. Well, that, that's much more palatable. A lot of those advanced planning strategies that, that academics write about, they work at those interest rates. But right now, because again, the Fed has artificially inflated that short-term rate, which is the accrual rate as well for the HECM. So not only is somebody able to borrow less, because the tenure, but now their accrual rate, you know, the, the, the one-year treasury is almost 5%. And so now you're looking at, you know, interest rates, accrual rates of somewhere, you know, between seven and 8% for a lot of people. And that's just a turnoff to advisors when they're looking at that, uh, the amortization table. And even, you know, because, you know, you, it's hard to say, okay, well, you know, we're going to do this now, but hey, rates are, oh, they're going to come down. Don't worry. That, that's a big guarantee that most people aren't going to hang their reputation on. And so just based on that, I'd say that, you know, that, that six to seven mark that I've just seen anecdotally, there is a psychological barrier right there. Um, so again, you know, once the Fed starts to take their foot off the gas in terms of the tightening um, and we see that one year treasury come back down to where it's, it should be. So, you know, which is, you know, I'd, I'd say, you know, historically, maybe in that, you know, that 1% spread stamp uh, range. So if the 10 year treasury is at, at 4%, Maybe the you know the the one year treasuries you should be two and a half three percent something like that and then at that again then the numbers just work a lot better for people um, so so that's that's what we're seeing um, I do a lot of in person events as well just local events um, just because I like to talk to people I just set up information booths at farmers markets and uh, you know community fairs um, and you know the, there's the stigma still there a lot of people just kind of stiff arm you and they walk by there I don't have a mortgage I don't need it you know and, and again they just don't understand what it is so the education um, you know, the, the need for education is never going to stop um, the way to the approach the advisor is still again through education not through trying to sell the benefits of the reverse mortgage it's just helping the advisor understand that um, maybe to even remove their own biases um, from when they're talking to clients. Uh, and then again, it's going to be, um, 
you know, just you know, I'd say again, you know, the, the government has some responsibility um, to kind of put the word out and better, you know, uh, educate those uh, in, in the industry uh, on, on what needs to happen or, or kind of how the reverse mortgage works. And then um, again, the advice industry, you know, just needs to, you know, be given kind of the the blessing to to look at it and to know that hey, this isn't some you know bad, dirty product. Excellent. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me for this edition of the RMD podcast. If people wanted to find out more about you and your work, where can they go? Yes. Yeah, so so uh, from like an origination standpoint, uh, that my, I have a website. It's, it's www.homeequityplanner.com. So that's all one word, homeequityplanner.com. And then I also have a website set up just for the book as well. Uh, and you know, people can contact me um, there. It's parkerplanning.com. Uh, so people can contact the email is jason at parkerplanning.com. Excellent. Great. Well, Jason, really appreciate you taking the time. Of course, hopefully you and I can uh, speak again soon. I'm sure we'll have occasion to. And uh, thanks again. Much obliged. Great. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to this episode of the RMD Podcast. Again, I want to extend a special thanks to Jason Parker for being so generous with his time in talking about the intersection between financial planning and the reverse mortgage product and industry. For more news and insights on the reverse mortgage industry, be sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at reversemortgagedaily.com. If you haven't already, subscribe to the RMD Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast content. I'm Chris Clow, and this has been a production of HW Media. The RMD podcast is produced by Elissa Branch. Be sure to come back for an all-new episode very soon. See you next time.